Hey guys, I hope you're doing great today and I can't wait to bring you the show. But before I do, I just wanna make a quick request. If you're listening to the show and you're getting good value and you're enjoying the content and you feel that it's valuable, if you could just take a second and go and give me a rating and review in whatever platform you listen, whether it be Apple or Google or uh, Spotify, whatever it is, just go and give me a rating and review, that would be very appreciated. All right guys, let's dive in. You're definitely overthinking it. The 70% rule was designed to get you in the ballpark. And it worked okay when the market wasn't as hot as it is now. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate Podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. Hey, all right. Thank you for joining me on the show. I appreciate you being here. I have another really, really great one for you. I think you're going to love this one, guys. I really, really do. And I thank you for showing up again and uh, checking out the show. If you're new here, uh, welcome. I hope that we blow it out of the water for you and you really love, love what you're hearing and you come back for more. If you are a return listener, thank you so much. I appreciate the support. I appreciate you coming back and listening. It means the world to me. And it's awesome to know that you guys are getting a lot out of these uh, shows. And so we have another replay for you uh, that comes from our Wednesday Q&A that I do on Facebook every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. You can log on, ask any questions you want of me uh, about real estate or I guess anything, but it's usually real estate. It's what I am known for. So let's maybe keep it to real estate. Um, but you can ask me whatever you want and I will answer the questions. I'll help you as much as I humanly can. We can have back and forth exchanges if you're there live. So it's a lot of fun and that's a lot of value, I think, to people who show up and a lot of value to you guys who are listening after the fact. We had a good one here, guys. We talked about, uh, somebody talking about it's really hard to get deals right now because they're using the 70% rule and they're just struggling to find deals that meet that criteria. Is the 70% rule still valid? That's the question I got and I answered it in this episode. Also, uh, we talked about uh, sellers kind of dragging their feet when you have a property under contract. Uh, there was somebody dealing with an insurance claim and the seller needed to fix the roof and they're not they're not getting it done. What do you do? Uh, another question about uh, making offers to people who are in the middle of a divorce proceeding and they have mediation and you're making offers and it has to go to mediation. Like, what does that look like and have I ever experienced that? Um, uh, and also, we talked about contractors quite a bit. Why do contractors sometimes seem to shoot themselves in the foot? Why are they having? Uh, why are we having difficult times with them in this this market that we're in? And there's there's an answer for that, and I and I give the answer in this episode. Uh, and then also we talked a little bit about short term rentals, Airbnb, and some of the best practices regarding uh, short term rentals and how you can eliminate some of that back and forth uh, conversations that happens with you and the guest. So. Guys, get ready to learn and uh, get your notepads out. Sit down, right? Get ready to take notes. I give you my latest Facebook Q and A. Okay, here we are live once again. This is—I don't know. I think we've been doing this for now about a year, maybe maybe a little more than that. Um, and I just want to thank everyone who comes on and participates. Uh, it is very awesome, and uh, and I think it's been very helpful for a lot of people because uh, I do get 
I do get comments and, and I am able to see the downloads and, and those kind of things. And it appears to be making a difference for a lot of people and I get good feedback from it. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to keep doing this. I think it's a resource that some of you appreciate and some of you need, right? Not everyone uh, has the ability to join masterminds and things like that. I get it. And so you need somewhere where you can go and get some help and get some information. Uh, when I was starting off in real estate, I didn't, know who to ask. I had nobody to ask questions. And frankly, the questions that I had, I felt like they were kind of um, basic and and I was hesitant to ask them because I was didn't want to look stupid, really. And so I created my podcast, Just Start Real Estate. I created this page and I do these Q&As so that I can help people who don't have maybe anywhere else to turn for answers to their real estate questions, or maybe they've been a part of some groups or they're a part of groups now, and they just want another opinion, somebody else who can kind of help them keep the ball going down the field. So that's what we do here. And uh, I'm excited to do this and be here for you. Oh, as always, if you're here live and you have questions, go ahead and put them in the chat. Uh, I prioritize live questions over the questions that uh, we get throughout the week that I do answer. If we don't have live questions, I'll answer the ones that you guys send me because some of you just can't be here for whatever reason, can't be here on Wednesday nights. And I get that. It's totally cool. Um, I'd like for you to be here. But if you can't, at least send me your questions and I'll get them answered. And then they'll be here where you can go and find them on Facebook here at Just Our Real Estate whenever you want. You can go back and listen or uh, you can listen to my podcast on Thursdays. I replay these lives so you can hear them if you miss them, if you're driving around or whatever. It's a convenient way to go back and listen. Uh, also, I'm excited to announce that I have been talking about it for a long time now, but my new program, the Seven Figure Investor Program, has launched officially. It's launched uh, last night was the first night, and there were folks on there. I think it was a very successful launch and a really, really uh, good good time for people when they logged on and they, and they got to learn a lot. And we're going to, over the next several weeks here, we're going to be rolling out more and more uh, of these that people can can join if you want to. If you want to get involved, you can do that. But if the people who did join that are in it, we're going to just crush it. For the next few weeks here, we're just going to be um, just talking about everything real estate, how to build their business, how to grow their business, how to hire sales, marketing, um, how to generate more leads, how to generate better leads, how to generate cheaper leads, all that, right? How to find money for your deals, all those things, all the things that we have to work on and sometimes struggle with in our real estate business. That's what that group is going to be learning. And uh, I'm going to be diving into their businesses and helping them do that. So if you want to get involved, if you miss this round, but you still want to know more about it or you want to get involved, you can go to sevenfigureinvestor.com. That's the word seven, not the number. The word seven spelled out, sevenfigureinvestor.com. Go check that out and get involved. We will have another round starting, I believe, in the beginning of May. And so you have a few months to get ready for that, but go and sign up now before it's too late and before we cap it because we can't have unlimited people. So go and check it out and uh, reserve your spot now. Okay, let's get started on today's questions. First one uh, says, I am a new investor and I'm trying to find my first property to flip. I'm getting a lot of deals sent to me, but they're but they are very rarely do they meet the standard flipping formula, 70% criteria. Am I overthinking this rule? Yeah, you are. You're definitely overthinking it. The 70% rule was designed to get you in the ballpark. And it worked okay when the market wasn't as hot 
as it is now. Uh, in this environment, it's difficult in most markets to make the 70% rule stick. You're going to have to probably modify that a little bit. And it can be okay to modify that a little bit and loosen it up a little bit because house prices are strong and they still are going up in most areas. However, I will say this, this is a very strong caveat that I want to make. You do not want to count on appreciation long term, you know, well, you don't want to count on appreciation always, right? You have to kind of know what's going on in the market. And right now it's a strong market. It's still appreciating. It's not going down at all. It doesn't have any, there's no signs that I've seen that it's going to go down immediately, right? The problem is if you just say, okay, great, I'll just overspend and house prices will be strong. At some point that will burn you at some point, right? I don't know if that's going to be six months, a year or two years, but at some point that will burn you. But right now, if you were to buy a house today, um, uh, March 23rd, 2022, and you had to bend the 70% rule a little bit and go to 75 or 80, it's probably fine. It's probably okay in a lot of cases. Uh, if you did that, you know, uh, in a year from now or 18 months when the market starts kind of going the other way, you could be in real trouble, right? You have to be really careful. Right now with the market the way it is, with prices the way they are, and with the competition the way it is in a lot of markets, you have to you have to have a little bit more of an aggressive approach to your offers or they probably won't get accepted in a lot of cases. It just is what it is. Um, you know, the only way to really, uh, you know, beat that rule right now or the best way to beat that rule i should say is to do your own marketing to to go direct to the sellers yourself because then you can negotiate prices as low as you need to um and i'm assuming you're looking for properties to flip you um you're getting a lot of deals sent to you yeah you're getting deals sent to you so that tells me you're you're going to wholesalers which by the way i think is absolutely the right thing to do phenomenal way to get started and, and to get your first few deals I, I think it's awesome i'm a wholesaler and so wholesalers are, exist only to find deals for house flippers and landlords so that's a smart thing to do but if you're having trouble because of the competition my guess is the other flippers in your market are just spending more than they have in the past or maybe even more than they should and it's making it difficult for someone like you to have you know conservative you know numbers and to be diligent and and be really um you know practical with what you're doing and, and really watch your numbers and still get deals you're gonna have to you're gonna have to offer just probably a little bit more in a lot of cases so you know three years ago four years ago the 70 percent rule might have worked a little bit better now it's like a 75 maybe an 80% rule. It's just what you have to do in some markets. So be careful. Don't get burned. I don't want you to overbid and then you know you lose money. But just realize the 70% rule is really, in my opinion, it's for new people, which is fine. You're you're new. Um, but it's also it's it's meant to be a rule of thumb. You know what I mean? It's not meant to be an exact science. Uh, if you want to get real exact, there are formulas that you can use that are just that take it all into account. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if you're struggling like that to find deals and you just need the help, sometimes joining a, a mastermind or, or joining, you know, some group that can help you do that or, or buying a program or something is the way to go to kind of get you off in the right direction. Um, I, I'm always a fan of paying for education 
and paying for speed, really. You know, when you when you pay a mentor or a coach or you buy a program, the idea is that you're paying to expedite your learning and expedite your growth. So that that might be an option for you. But the 70% rule was never designed to be, it works in all markets, it works under all conditions, and it never fails. That's just not what it is. It's it's like you're throwing a dart. You're, you're trying to get kind of near the center circle, but it's never going to be a bullseye in most cases. Okay, uh, let's see. Second question here. Have you ever put a property under contract that was pending an insurance claim? We have a property that we are supposed to close on at the end of the month, and the seller has been dragging their feet on a roof repair. Any advice? Yeah, we've done these before. Honestly, we might have one of those right now. And the reason I say we might have one of those right now is I don't buy and sell the properties anymore. So, um, I can't remember. I know we've had one of these recently, um, similar. And if the if the uh, if the you know the seller's not repair, repairing the roof, and that's kind of holding you up from closing on this deal, like you need to have a real conversation with the seller and just say, hey, you know, like what are you doing? Like, do you need to sell the house or not? Like whenever I have a seller that drags their feet, whether it's an insurance claim or anything else, if I have a seller that's dragging their feet, you have to go back to them. It's sort of like somebody has, and this is kind of a, maybe a crude analogy, but this is kind of what you're doing. You need to, you need to push on the pain point a little bit. And if they need to sell their house, if they have true motivation, Whatever that motivation is, motivation, by the way, a seller having motivation, it's another way of saying there's some pain in their life and selling you the house is going to remove the pain. Okay. So motivation equals pain. Usually, maybe, maybe always, but usually it equals pain. And so if they're not moving forward, if they're not doing what they have to do to allow you to buy their house and remove their pain, you need to push on the wound a little bit, right? Remind them what hurts and remind them how they're hurting themselves if they don't get off their butt and do things they need to do. Now, the other thing you can do is you help them find a roof company, if you can, that's approved by the insurance company. Um, help them manage that that roof renovation. Like get involved in, in maybe GC or at least project manage the situation. Maybe it's just a matter of they don't know where to start or, or they just don't want to talk to contractors or they're concerned, they're worried, they're insecure, whatever, they're afraid. Like offer to take it on, you know, take on the work, especially if it's a good enough deal. Like get that thing done. Like you know how to get things done. The seller doesn't know how to get things done because if they know how to get things done, a lot of times they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. Let's be honest, right? Their their lives are usually a little out of control. It's a pattern of, of maybe some things not going really, really well for them in their in their in their life not always i mean there's probate and stuff like that obviously that's not a result of people not taking care of things but a lot of people we buy from let's be honest they're they're not always on top of their game of life and so sometimes you are on the top of your game of life so sometimes you have to help them get involved commandeer the situation get that roof taken care of so you can move forward. If you're just sitting back and like shooting them an email or sending them a text or giving them a call once every week or two to find out what the progress is, it may never happen because, you know, it's possible. I don't know this particular seller, but it's possible that they have a long 
history of not doing stuff. And then here they are needing to sell their house for 50 cents on the dollar. So don't expect them to be like super proactive, super Johnny on the spot. You've got to remind them why they need to sell, remind them why you're helping them in the first place, and then offer to just to take it on. Just that's what I would do. I mean, just take it on, get it done, call, call the contractor, get them out there. Like you go out there every day and make sure the work's getting done. And you know, you should be able to pop that out in a couple of days or a week or a couple of weeks. You shouldn't have to wait for the seller. Um, you know, maybe you think to yourself too, by the way, I shouldn't have to do that, right? I shouldn't have to do that. Yeah, you shouldn't have to do that, but you do. Like this, just sometimes, you know, this world of real, this world of real estate is messy and it's a little bit frustrating and complicated. Um, so, anyways, you might have to go out there and help them do that. Okay, uh, I got a question from Niju. How you doing, man? Good to see you again. Uh, the question is: sent out a PA yesterday to a seller that is going through a divorce. We provided him an offer so he could take it to the mediation. Is there anything I can do to expedite the process? Um, no, because you sent the offer, they have to take the mediation unless you can change their mediation appointment and make it sooner. Um, I don't know what else you could do, really. Uh, I would maybe be prepared to show proof of funds because the mediator might want to see that. I would also be prepared. I don't know if you sent them a like a you know, like a, a wholesaler's contract or like a, you know, some sort of an in real estate investor special contract or, or if you sent them a border realtors contract. And I'm not trying to make light. I, I don't use border realtor contracts. My contract that I use protects me mostly, right? It's not hurting anybody. It's not, it's not intended to cheat anybody, but it's certainly intended to look out for my interests. Okay. So if you send a contract like that to a mediator or a lawyer or whatever attorney, they're most likely going to read it and they're not going to like it. They're going to want to change things, add things, strike things. They may want you to just send them a border realtors um, contract. So it's a little bit more like a state approved contract. So maybe be prepared for that. Maybe even get a board of realtors contract prepared if that's not what you sent to begin with and uh, be prepared for them to come back and have either a lot of red lines going through your contract of things they want you to strike or that they want, just want you to redo it or the, the, the realtor or I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the moderator or the attorney involved, they may just rewrite it for you and say, this is what we'll sign. So just be prepared for that kind of thing that may happen. But I don't know what you can do to really expedite it, uh, you know, other than just call them and kind of check on the situation, because if it has to go through, um, if it has to go through mediation, you can't affect that timeline or, or those schedules. So how much you can do, but just stay on it, you know, and be be open to talking to the mediator or somebody who may want to see what you're all about. Uh, be, pre be prepared to answer some questions and sort of give them you know a warm and fuzzy feeling that you're legit and you're not a predator or something like that. So, no, I don't think there's anything to do to expedite it. But I like how you're thinking. You should always be trying to expedite. Everything you do should, you know, should be like, well, how can I do this faster? How can I get it done? Unfortunately, when you're submitting paperwork to a process like that, you know, I, I mean, there's a I'm, I'm assuming that the people getting divorced really want this process over with, too. And, and if they're not expediting it, then shame on them. But whoever you submitted that offer to, I don't know if it was the husband or the wife, but whoever or maybe both. But whoever you submitted it to, uh, just, you know, maybe just be in conversation with them and let them know you're ready to move, you know, as soon as possible and just ask them when and how much longer and just kind of keep on top of the situation.
Good question, though. Always, always expedite. That should always happen. Okay. Uh, it seems, next question, it seems uh, the contractor situation is getting worse. It It is almost impossible to find and retain reliable help. Do you have some strategies for the situation? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of reasons why contractors will, will stop working with you or stop working for you or they'll stop showing up or whatever the case may be. The reality is right now, contractors have more work than they know what to do with. They're just busy. And and so they're going to be real selective with who they work with. Or you could have a contractor that you're working with and they're doing a flip project for you or they're doing a renovation on a, on a rental and somebody comes along and gives them a retail job. And by retail job, if you don't know what I mean by that, it means a job where they're paying retail pricing, like full, super expensive pricing where you might have you know, a kitchen remodel for $8,000, right? Maybe they were offered a kitchen remodel that was $35,000. And so they make a business decision that they're going to put your work off or just walk out of it because they're going to make, you know, way more money. They're going to make almost $30,000 more than what they're going to make on your job. And maybe it's similar in size, right? So contractors right now are making in a lot of cases, I think short-term decisions. They they have short-term thinking, and this is this is the problem that you run into a lot of time with contractors. They have short-term thinking. Um, a lot of them have you know issues, personal issues, sometimes substance issues, um, and and these are all things that you, that are outside of your control to an extent. What is in your control is how you how you treat them, and and that's the part of this this question. I don't know how you are treating them, so. Uh, I don't know if they've had issues getting paid from you. I don't know if you, you know, speak to them in a way that makes them feel like you're, you know, belittling them. Like who knows, right? They could leave because they don't like you. I guess is my answer. Um, but the fact of the matter is, contractors are just really, really busy right now. They have more than enough work. They don't need your work, and so they're not necessarily thinking all the time the relationship and like, hey, this is a flipper. I'm going to get work from this person for years to come if I really, you know, stick with them and do the right thing. Sometimes it's like, well, I can make twenty thousand dollars like in a month if I just go do this and I'm going to burn this bridge, but I'm going to make $20,000. And a lot of times they'll grab the money and at the expense of the relationship. It just, it just is that way, right? Not all contractors are like that to be fair, but enough of them are that we had these conversations a lot. I've been having these conversations since I started in real estate, 2008, people were asking, how do I, how do I find good contractors? How do I keep them? Why do my contractors not perform? Why did my contractor take the money and not do the work? And now I can't find them. Like we've had these conversations since 2008, at least I have. And I'm sure they've been happening since long before that. So contractors do have a way of shooting themselves in the foot and having short sightedness. So the best thing you can do is not necessarily uh, obsess over one individual contractor or one general contractor in their team. What I always suggest to people, the best way to protect yourself is to build what we call a bench, right? In baseball terms, you want a bench. If you only have one pitcher and they have to go the whole game and they have to go every night the whole game and you don't have anybody else, you're in trouble. And so you have a bench, you have you have other pitchers that you can call out to the mound and they can relieve the pitcher that's not performing, right? Contractors are similar. You may have your main contractor that does most of your work, but you should always have 
one, two, three more that are sort of waiting in the wings that you've, you've vetted them. You understand, you know, their, their pricing structure. They've agreed that they want to work with you and you sort of have them there available if your contractor kind of peters out or abandons you or goes AWOL or, you know, takes your money and runs or whatever, stops doing a good job, whatever the case may be. It's a little bit a matter of having a backup more than it is how do you keep and hold on to your contractors. You keep and hold on to your contractors by paying them on time, paying them what you told them you'd pay them, um, not talking down to them and yelling at them, like treating them like people, treating them with respect, treating them how you'd want to be treated, paying them on time and continuing to feed them work. That's how you keep contractors. But even if you do that, contractors will still blow up, right? They'll still shoot themselves in the foot. They'll still go AWOL. It'll happen. So, you know, you, you just have to realize it's the nature of the business. And the best thing you can do is treat them well, pay them on time, do all the right things, but also have backups waiting so that if this main contractor doesn't perform, you can move in the next contractor who was ready to go. You've already vetted them. You're comfortable and you do that, right? So that is how, uh, you, that's how you deal with contractors is the best way I can tell you to, to deal with them. Okay. Uh, let's see. With short-term rentals, I feel like I'm spending way too much time fielding complaints, questions, and fixes. Do you have any advice on how to minimize time spent outside of getting the unit ready after each tenant? I'll be honest. I don't have short-term rentals. I, I know a lot of people who do. I'm getting into that space myself. Um, but there is automation. There's software that you can use that will help give them all the information up front they need. It'll help with some of the communication back and forth. It'll eliminate a lot of the communication. But if you're getting complaints and fixes, that's kind of on you. Like you have to make sure these things aren't aren't there. Like if they don't have anything really to complain about or or that you need to fix, you won't be getting these these calls. So there's automation for sure. I would absolutely have a contractor or a handyman that is like on call and ready to go. Someone that you can just text them and they'll get out there and get things handled for you. Um, like I said, there is, there's guest automation. There's automation that will give the guest all the answers to all the questions that they should have. The only questions you will have to field at that point are the weird ones that come up like you said like a fix like hey the faucet's leaking or you know the heater's not working like you know those things we don't have automatic messages for because you don't expect them to happen so those things you have to take care of but those should be few and far between if if you're getting a ton of complaints and a ton of fixes like like take care of that stuff this is you know it's not it's not unusual to get complaints and fixes if there's a lot of things to complain about and fix. So um, I would say automation for sure. Um, you know, you can hire, a, I know a lot of people who hire a VA to kind of help coordinate fixes and complaints. If something's wrong, the VA can call the contractor, the contractor can get out there and take care of it so that it's off your plate a little bit. But complaints and fixes, you just have to look at your operation a little bit and find out what's going on that you have so many of these things coming up. Um, but you know, having the automation is going to be huge for you. There's a lot of like automation to talk to the, the, the person. There's automatic locks that reset themselves. There's, you know, temperature control things that you can do remote. There's a lot of things you can do remotely where you don't have to like go out there and field calls. But 
Yeah, I uh, I think the best thing you can do is um, is just make your operation and make the the um, the the Airbnb itself, you know, the unit, make it as airtight as you can. Like stock it with linens, stock it with snacks. Make sure you got plenty of silverware and you know cups and plates and all this stuff, right? All the soaps and all the stuff that they need, like. They shouldn't be complaining about that necessarily unless it's not there or you know um they, that those aren't really fixes but if there's truly things that need to be fixed i would go through there and maybe stay there yourself like a night if it's local that should be easy if it's not maybe you need to travel there stay there for a couple nights and see what you think what what would you want to be improved if you were someone who was you know renting it for a couple nights so just you know be really realistic don't don't be too and i'm not saying you are but don't be too quick to blame the person who's paying you to stay there look at yourself and look at your operation and make sure that you're airtight before you get too frustrated by all of the communication and honestly if you're not using any automation to and i i i'll uh i'll try to get something and 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 put it in here as a comment but i don't i'm not running my airbnbs yet but i know there's a lot of automation that can help you dramatically dramatically reduce the amount of communication like manual communication that you have to do um with uh, the people who are renting with with your with your clients and so i would look into that that's probably probably the best thing you can do actually okay guys we are at uh about a half an hour in now um looks like we are out of questions no more live questions so i'm gonna call it for the night uh so guys listen if you want to ask questions on these lives the best way to do it is to be here you can send me the questions and that's totally great and i will get to them as soon as i can get to them but showing up here live asking questions and getting some feedback allows you to also ask follow-up questions if you have them you can ask a follow-up question and i'll answer it for you and we can have that back and forth and we can get really really deep and get very specific to your situation um, but either way i hope you enjoyed this uh you can always uh, tune in on Thursdays to my podcast, Just Start Real Estate, and listen to the replay of these. You can go on Facebook page uh, where you are now if you're live. And if you're not, you can go to Just Start Real Estate on Facebook. You can watch the replays if that's how you would prefer to do it. Either way, participate, get your questions answered, move your business forward. If you want me to help you with that, if you want me to get involved in your business personally and really give you a hand, you have to go to Seven Figure Investor, the word seven, sevenfigureinvestor.com go check it out go sign up i want to help you i want you guys to blow your business up now is the time don't wait don't worry about the market being hot or cold or up or down or good or bad get in there and let's get started now is the time to do it it's not tomorrow it's not in two weeks it's not in two years it's now get started now change your life build this business and have the freedom that you want all right guys we'll see you next time all right. I hope you enjoyed that. Remember, I do these Q&As live on Facebook on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I hope you enjoyed this. Tune in next week for another installment of live Q&As answering your questions. Okay. Until next time.